difficult people that can enter into our lives. And uh, last week we spent some time looking at that uh, needy person that often enters into our life. Today uh, we're going to move ahead and uh, understand again that those people are going to filter into our life. That it's just the reality for us as we live in a broken world. Uh, we're going to have to learn how do we deal with those people because those people are going to be there, right? And going back to Galatians 5, we understood last week that, hey, we live in a broken world. It has broken people. And that means we're going to have to deal with these different kinds of folks that are difficult, those people in our lives. Uh, Paul wraps it up this way, saying, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and that's important to note, and that is especially true uh, today, right? That the, the origin of these behaviors, the origin of the difficult person lies with their own self-focus, right? The me-first nature uh, that they have. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And in case he missed anything, of course, he puts the catch-all phrase saying what? And other sins like these, right? So where we're starting in the series is acknowledging that we're in a broken world uh, people who live out of a me-first attitude are going to enter into our life. And when they do, because we're a God-first attitude, they're, they're just going to be difficult for us, right? They're, they're just going to be those difficult people. So today we look at what I think is probably the most difficult of all the difficult people we're going to look at, uh, not just to talk about, but the most difficult one for us to be able to, to deal with, right? And it is that person who enters into our life uh, with an agenda, right? They enter their life with that me-first agenda and, and are able to try and manipulate us to get what they want or what they think is best for us, right? Not what God wants, what God thinks best, but they're all about this me-first saying, listen, it's, it's all about you doing what I need, what I want, uh, and after all, I know what is best for you. And they try to manipulate us to those ends, Okay, so if you follow with me, uh, we're going to start by just looking at some of the tactics that folks who are manipulators, those people uh, most often use to try and manipulate us. Now, we're not going to cover them all. There's, there's more, but we're just going to cover some of the big ones that most often you'll experience as you experience those people who are manipulators. You ready to go? Okay, we can quit. I can go home early. I'm okay. No. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, first of all, one of the big methods uh, is this method of what I call whining, right? And I put the word guilt there because what really lies behind this is trying to, trying to shame you or guilt you into doing what they want. Uh, and now this is something, because it's a me-first behavior, that comes really natural to us as broken people. And uh, you can identify with this manipulation if you just hang out in the grocery store around the checkout counter and you watch moms and kids or dads and kids, equal thing, moms or dads, right? And you watch them, and inevitably, what will you see happen at the checkout counter with moms, dads, and kids? The kid will decide they want a candy bar, and they'll say, Mom or dad, that candy bar is in my best interest. And after all, I just want it, and you need to understand. You need to get it through your thick head, Mom and Dad, that the best thing you can do right now for me 
is to get me that candy bar. And if mom or dad say, no, thank you, what does the kid do? <laughs> I want the candy bar. I just want the candy bar. Give me the candy bar. Right? And they, they do that, right? And they enter into the whining experience. And in their whining, they're saying, look, you give me that candy bar. I'm just going to keep making a scene. I'm going to keep embarrassing the heck out of you. I'm going to make you feel so shameful and bad in front of all these people until you give me the candy bar. Is that about the summation? Right. And they're just whining and they're trying to create so that everybody looks at you and you feel tremendously guilty because, after all, you're the mom or dad in this situation. This is not just a child behavior. It's just that when it comes to those people who are adults, they get far more sophisticated at it. They get really good at it. Uh, we get the classic example out of Judges uh, 16. And it is the experience of Samson and Delilah. So if you've been hanging out here, you know that we did a series on Samson a while ago. So you're probably familiar uh, with this. But if not, just so you know, strong guy in the Old Testament, Samson. And there was this lovely, uh, alluring woman named Delilah. And Delilah's goal was to find out how did Samson maintain his strength? How was he so powerful. And so she continued to ask him, how, how could he maintain the strength? And Samson kept just kind of leading her on, right? Kept giving her false answers to it. And we pick up in six, Judges 16, verse 15, Samson's given her three times now false answers, right? And look what Delilah does and how Delilah enters into the whining, guilt-motivated manipulation of Samson. Ready? It's like the kid at the, at the checkout counter. Here's what she says. And uh, ladies, forgive my uh, feminine uh, slant here to this. Okay? Here we go. Then Delilah pouted. What did she do? Nobody ever does that. Guys or girls, right? She pouted. Then she pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? Am I doing okay? Is that about, do you think that's about right? Right? I mean, it's in the text. You know that's in the text. You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Right? So she goes after it. And then, she, you, I mean, you hear in there, what is she doing? She's just whining. Right? And she's trying to guilt him by saying what? Obviously, you don't love me. If you love me, you'd tell me. And so she's trying to guilt him into giving up the secret. And this doesn't happen just once. Look at verse 16. She tormented him with her nagging. Say nagging. Ooh, tough word. With her nagging day after day after day after day until he was sick to death of it. This is like the classic example, isn't it? She is manipulating Samson into giving her what she wants. Why does she want to know the secret of his strength? Not for Samson's good. Not because it's in God's will or desire. But because if she discovers it and she reveals it to the Philistines, she will get a huge, huge payoff. Who's me first is being served? Hers. You see, this is the source of manipulators. Manipulators are all about what I want 
and what's in my best interest. Therefore, you ought to want to do this. And one of the biggest methods they use is to try to guilt you into it, to, to whine and get you into it. So, for instance, you may hear phrases uh, like this. If you don't do this, well, then I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Or this is the one I have to admit. Uh, Jill used this with the kids when they were off at college. If they didn't call her once a week, if you don't call, you're out of the will. <laughs> right? Right? We use that. They knew if they got that message, they were calling. It was a busy phone night when that message went out. But, yeah, you know, but what's the, what's the deal? You know. You know these phrases. You know these phrases. Now, some of you know them because you hear them day after day. Some of you know them because you use them day after day. Some of you know them because they are floating around your office. They're floating around your house. They're floating around the circumstances that you find yourself in relationships. Because we're part of a broken world. And broken people are about me. Me first. And they manipulate according to what they want, according to what they think is best. And this is one of the classic ways. One of the big challenges for us Christians is that people try to, try to uh, manipulate us. And what's at the core of it is they try to manipulate, uh, manipulate us into compromise. Especially we Christians. They try to get us to compromise in what we know is the truth or what we know is right according to God's teaching or God's will. And if you go into Matthew 16, you get another classic example of somebody trying to manipulate uh, Jesus, okay? Uh, And it's the Apostle Peter, right? Now, remember, Jesus loved Peter, and Peter loved Jesus. So this isn't just somebody walking up uh, off the street, right? This is within a significant relationship, And here's the way it goes. It says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is becoming absolutely vulnerable here, and he's telling those who he loves, saying, Look, this is what God wants in my life. This is the direction that the Father is leading me, right? Here's where the Father is leading me. And one that he loves, Peter, reacts to that and steps in and says, but Peter took him aside. That's important. One of the big things manipulators do is they manipulate in isolation. That is, they won't try to manipulate you within a group. They will try to get you aside from the group and in a one-on-one try to convince you of what you ought to do according to what's best for them or in their interest, right? Here's what Peter does. He doesn't talk to it as a a group, right? Instead, he pulls Jesus aside. Sorry about that. He pulls Jesus aside, and uh, when he's got him aside, he tries to manipulate. He says, it says that he began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. What is Peter doing? Jesus, listen, you, you got it wrong, man. That's not what I want to have happen to you. That, I don't think that's the right thing. That's not what's best. I mean, I need to be hanging out with you more. I need to be spending more time with you. You need to hang around. This can't be right because it's not what I want. So you got it wrong. 
you got it wrong, Jesus. That can't be right. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get Jesus to compromise what Jesus knows to be the will and the desire of the Father. He's trying to get him to compromise and agree to do what Peter wants instead of doing what the Father wants. Manipulators will do this. You're a young woman and you've got a significant relationship going on. And so that young man says to you what? Well, you know, if you really love me, you would. And you, you can fill it in, right? You know where that's going. If you really love me, you would. Even though you know that's totally outside the will and desire of the way the Father lays out relationships. That one will try to manipulate you to compromise the truth that you know. And after all, if you're not willing to do that, there's other women who will. You see it? This is real. That's what happens. And that's all about the me-firstness of manipulation. And they try to get you to compromise in what you know to be the absolute truth and God's will and desire. And this takes place in all kinds of situations in your life where, you, where throughout the day, co-workers or, or people you're doing business with, customers you're doing business with, well, you know, can't we just cut the corner once? Can't we just compromise on this once? You know, after all, if you do that, you'll probably get a bigger payout on it. If you do that, your bonus will be bigger. Or, you know, if you just compromise, that's the way it goes. And they try to manipulate you into what's best for them even though you know it's contrary to the truth. Last big theme is manipulators often will use uh, flattery, right? That, that they'll try to, try to convince you that they're really doing this for your best interest, that it's really because they love you, they care about you, and, and it's the best thing, and uh, they'll use flattery. Here's a great example out of Matthew 22, where the Pharisees, like they usually do, come to Jesus trying to trick him, right? And you can see right away in verse 15 here, it says, Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. So what is their goal? Their goal is to get him to say something that they can get him on, right? They, they, that's their goal. They just want to get him to say something that they can get him arrested on. So they approach him, and look how they lay it on. They approach him. He says, So they sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with Jesus, right? And here they go. Teacher, they said. Teacher, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You're, you're impartial. You don't play favorites. Do, do you get what they're doing? Now, all that's true, right? All, all the flattery that they're laying on is absolutely true, right? Jesus does always teach the truth. He doesn't show uh, partiality, right? All that's true, but the problem is their motive is not to build up Jesus. What is their motive? Their motive, we know, is to manipulate him into saying something for which they can arrest him. And so they use flattery to manipulate him to a place where he'll do something they want him to do. You'll experience that. If you have a manipulator in, in, in relationship with you, you'll experience that. That where they'll use words of flattery. They'll use words that sound so good. It's what you've wanted to hear, and it feeds you, and it encourages you, but it also may lead you down that road to compromise, right? 
It may lead you down to that place where you know this is not where God wants me to be. Manipulators are really good, especially at those methods. That's not all of them, but those are the big ones. Anybody experience those methods in your life? A few people. Okay. Thought there'd be a few more, but nevertheless, uh, we do, right? We do, right? And the trouble is, some of us this morning are going, whoa, I've even done that, right? So the question becomes for us now, how do we deal with those people? How do we understand what's going on and respond to that? Uh, I want to suggest again today some questions that you ought to ask yourself in this situation. Just some straightforward, simple questions you need to ask. You ready? So first thing is you, you feel like something's going on here. You feel like manipulation is taking place. The great question is just to ask, listen, is this about God's will or is this about theirs? Because we've already discovered the core of manipulation is about this me-firstness, right? It's, they're not looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves and trying to get you to the place they want you to go. And so you need to just stop, take a breath, breathe in the Holy Spirit and say, well, wait a minute, is this about God's will or is this about their will? Because there may be a time when somebody's interjecting into your life and, and you need to receive that because what they're telling you is from the Holy Spirit that, you know, God is using them to speak into your life. But the question is, if that's taking place, it's going to be obvious this is what God wants. They can also try to manipulate you in the same way. You've got to be able to discern. How do you discern? Well, God will never lead you to anything that is inconsistent with his character or with his word. So you've got to ask the question, is this consistent with God's will? Is, is this consistent with God's character? Is this consistent with, with the truth that God teaches in the Scripture? You see, if you can answer that question, you can decipher whether this person is manipulating you or whether they're really speaking a word of the Lord into your life. And we get permission to do that from 1 John. Uh, 1 John says, dear friends, he's talking to believers, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must do what? Test. Good word, right? You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, right? You've got to ask the question. Is this from God? Is this consistent with God's Word? Is this consistent with His character? Is this consistent with what I know to be the truth in Jesus? Is this consistent? And you can decipher right away whether you're being manipulated because a manipulator is me first and a manipulator will not be consistent. It will not be consistent with God's truth. In Acts 13, we get an experience like that. It's the Apostle Paul. He's on the island of Cyprus. And he's been traveling and he's been witnessing. And he finally gets a chance to witness to the governor of Cyprus. The only problem is there's a guy there who is a Jewish sorcerer. And this Jewish sorcerer has had the ear of the governor up until now. And so Paul and Barnabas are there and they start witnessing but this jewish sorcerer keeps getting in the way right he keeps getting in the way so you pick it up in acts 13 and verse 8 it says but uh elimus the sorcerer as his name means in greek interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what barnabas and saul said he was trying to keep the governor from believing why was he doing that why would he keep the governor from believing 
Because if the governor became a believer, he was going to stop listening to who? Elias the sorcerer. It was in Elias the, the sorcerer's best interest to keep the governor a non-believer, right? And listening to him so he could get the governor to do what he wants. And so he tries to manipulate the governor and say, no, 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 right? To get his way. Look how Paul uh, responds to him. Uh, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked at the sorcerer, looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, "You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, the enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord?" What did Paul discern in that moment? Is this sorcerer about God's will or about his own desire? And it was quite obviously it was about his own desire, right? So Paul stepped into it and was able to stop the manipulation and say, wait a minute, you are all about yourself. You are not about what God is doing in this moment. If you ask the right question, you can discern the manipulation that's taking place in your life. Second question, it's pretty close to the first, but it's a little bit different, a little bit harder. The first question is about the other person. This question is about you, right? Here's the question. Is my response, is what I'm going to do, what they want me to do, if I respond in this way, is my response going to be about pleasing God or about pleasing them? Now, the trouble for us with manipulators, some of them we live with and we love. And they love us back. But they fall into the behavior of trying to manipulate us. And we have to ask the hard question, if, if, if I do this, if I do what they're asking me to do, am I doing this so that I please them? Or am I doing this because it's God-pleasing? And of course, the answer for us, Christ followers, is always what? We have to please God first, foremost. So you've got to ask the question, if I follow this, is, is this going to please God? Or am I just doing this because it's going to please them? You know, it's in those manipulative statements that say, you know, if you really cared about our marriage, you would do this. You know, if, if, our, if we would do this in our marriage, it would be so much better. Really? Is that really true? You've got to ask. Is it true? Because, yes, that's right. It would please God. God could work in our marriage in a fresh and new way if we did that. Or, no, it's about pleasing them. <laughs> It's about their interest, their desire, and it's contrary to pleasing God. You see, that's a great question, isn't it? You go to Matthew 16, again, you remember Jesus and Peter, right? Peter tried to take him aside, took him alone, and said, No, 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 Lord, you got it wrong. You don't want to do that, right? Look at Jesus' response to Peter, the one that he loved. He says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing th things merely from a human point of view and not from... God's point of view. What's the tension? Jesus is able to discern, first and foremost, what pleases the Father. See, if I listen to Peter, I'll please Peter, but I'll be totally outside of pleasing God. Well, easy answer. Am I being manipulated? Yes. Because first and foremost, i got to please God. i got to do what God wants me to do. That's where I need to sit. This will only please Peter. You follow? So we ask the question, is this about pleasing God or is this about pleasing them? You look at Galatians, it says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God, if pleasing people were my goal, 
I would not be a Christ, Christ servant, right? We're about pleasing God first and foremost. Now, we can please God and we can please people, but we've got to ask the question to discern the manipulation, right? And, and we certainly want to love one another, care for one another, do what's good for one another, put the interest of others, but never at the expense of what pleases God, right? Never at the expense of what pleases God. You with me so far? Last one. Here we go. Last one. And this is the hardest one. The problem for us is that so often the greatest manipulator in our life is the person we see every day in the mirror. That's true. Because our biggest challenge is we try to manipulate God. God, if you'll just do this, then I'll do... Amen? God, if you were really God, if you were really loving and compassionate and kind and wonderful, and if you really cared, you would do this. I think that's a couple of the themes we just hit, isn't it? And yet those words roll off our tongue or they roll through our mind. And we try to put ourselves in a place where we put ourselves above God and we try to manipulate God. Because what? We try to convince ourselves what we want is more important. What we want is in our best interest and better than what God would want for our lives. Which is absolutely contrary to the truth. Our biggest challenge is not just those people that are around us, but it is the challenge for us to be able to be centered in not becoming one of those people in relationship to Christ. What's it call for? The challenge for us is it calls for us to be like Isaiah here in Isaiah 26. And look what he says. Would you just read that with me? It's a great verse. Let's all read it together. You ready? You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Is that an awesome statement or what? There's the key for us in this whole message. You ready? The way we deal with manipulators and the manipulator in us is to just trust God more. Just trust God more. When somebody else is trying to convince you of what you ought to do, you need to ask the right question, and you just need to say, no, I'm going to trust God more. I'm going to trust God more. When somebody's trying to manipulate you and you're tempted to just please them, you need to ask the right question. You say, no, I'm going to trust God more. I'm going to please God more. I'm going to trust God more. And when you get tempted in your own experience to put yourself higher than God, to put yourself in a place where you think you know better than God, you need to step back, take a breath, and say, no, I'm just going to trust God more. I'm just going to trust God more. See, the answer for us as Christ followers, the way we deal with that manipulation in our lives is to just surrender our lives completely and absolutely and say, I'm just going to trust God more. Because whatever God does with us, whatever God wants in our lives, that is the best we could ever experience. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and uh, we...